This is Matty Arnold, the director and producer of The Long Green Line. There are teachers who impact a student for life. And for me, one of those teachers was Coach Joe Newton. I first heard of Joe Newton in second grade. British Olympian Sebastian Coe spent three weeks in Elmhurst, Illinois, training with Coach Newton just before the 1984 Olympics. Eventually, Mr. Newton became my PE teacher and then ultimately my friend and mentor. We made the Long Green Line starting in 2004, and this is a sample from the first interview we conducted with the coach. My producing partner, Brady Hollingren, and I drove 50 miles down to Orange County to begin our series of interviews with Coach Newton. Mr. Newton was the keynote speaker at a coaching conference at a hotel in Irvine, and so we visited him in his hotel room and sat down for two formal interviews that weekend. We started our line of questioning, learning about the history and the traditions of the teams, and trying to get to know the secret of his success. So here's part one of the first interview with Mr. Newton from 2004. All right, Coach Newton, how are you today? I'm feeling very good that you guys are here and I'm enjoying what I'm doing and I'm ready. So where are you at now? I'm uh, in Phoenix, at, uh, outside of Phoenix, Goodyear. My wife and I are at our second home and we, we stay there from December until uh, June and then we go back to Elmer's so I can coach in the summer and the fall. You still doing the summer program? Still doing the summer program. Had 150 guys in the program last uh, summer, biggest ever. And of course, we won our 23rd state title, so it paid off. Wow. You, you don't win state titles in, in November, really. You win them in June, July, and August when you're, you know, really busting yourself and other people are resting. So, so what's your secret of getting 150 guys out? Well, you got to work at it. And uh, see, everybody thinks that York is easy to get guys out because we win all the time. But what happens really, Matt, when you win all the time, two things happen. One, kids say, well, I'm not going out for cross country. They win all the time, they're too good. Or they say, that's too hard. The only reason they win is they work so hard. I don't want to work that hard. So it's not easy to recruit at York, but I, you know, it's my lifestyle. I, we go in the halls, I'm grabbing guys in the halls. I got all my athletes grabbing guys in the halls. Our goal is to get 50 to 100 freshmen every year, freshmen. This year we had 72 freshmen on our team. We had 160 guys on our cross country team. But it's work. You work at it. I mean, you got to make it part of your life, and it never gets easy. And the more you win, the harder it gets because it's people think everybody transfers to York. We've had more guys transfer out of York because it's a community where there's a lot of young people, and they get promoted and they come and they go. We've had two or three good athletes come in, but probably 20 or 30 that have moved out. So recruiting is what you make it, and uh, you got to be doing it every year. Every year, the first day of school, it's like Russian roulette. I tell my wife, what am I going to do if I don't get one guy to come out? That, and the first day, as you remember when you were there, it's, it's freshman only. So now, i got about 20 of my athletes out in the halls with clipboards. I'm down at the gym trying to coordinate the whole thing. And this year, we got 150 names, of which 72 came out in the state. So, but we really work at it, and the reward is you win. What type of athlete do you like? I'll take, I, you know, I, Matt, I take anybody that walks. I say, if you don't play football and you're not out for, uh, in the fall we have football, I think we have uh, boys golf, and we have soccer. I said, if you're not doing any sport, I'll take you. If you've never run any sport, I'll take you. If you're in a band, I'll take you, because there's a, there's a togetherness between the uh, discipline it takes to play the instrument and the discipline you need to be good in, in running. 
So like this year we had 160 guys on my team. I think I had 40 guys on my team from the band, orchestra or the band. So I don't care what a guy is like. He might be a great athlete as a freshman and lousy as a senior, and then you take a little fat guy that's no good as a freshman, and he works hard in his senior year, he's one of your best guys. So I don't really look for any body type or athletic ability. I just say if you're breathing and you're alive, I'll take you. And one of the reasons, one of the statements that I make that attracts kids is the fact that, I'm going to tell you what, son, if you come with me every single day that you come to this school, when you come out for cross country after school, you got a place where you'll get some tender, loving care. You're not going to get that in the classroom. You're not going to get it in the calf. You're not going to get it in the halls. But when you come to practice, every guy, every day gets tender, loving care. It's a place to go where you're cared for. And kids come out and they love it. And then when they graduate, I say the last day you leave here, it'll never be the same. When you leave that locker room for the last practice, it'll never be the same. I don't care what school you go to in America, what college, you'll never get the same tender, loving care that you got here for four years. And guys come back and they say, you know, you were right. It's different. We've got something special going at York, really special. Well, how do you think it uh, got to be where it is? Well, it, it kind of grew. I remember I first started coaching cross country at York in 1960. And my goal, at that time, they, the team was terrible. I think the year before they were two and four, the year before that they were like one and six. So my goal was to win a dual meet. And uh, I think we, were, we ended up three and four my first year. So then my second year, my goal was to win a conference championship. And then the third year, which we won the state in 1962, my goal was to win the state. So I went from winning a dual meet to winning a conference meet to winning a state meet. And then my next goal was to win a national championship, and we've won 19 of those now. So I just kept raising my, my, my bar, you know, got it higher and higher and higher. And once you get it up there, you got to really work at it to maintain it because there's a disease of me. The more you win, you set yourself up for losing because kids begin to think, well, we deserve to win. We're entitled to win. So then they slack off just a little bit. And, and maybe you continue to win a year or two on talent. But once you start slacking off and thinking you deserve to win, there's other people out there working harder than you are because they want to go to the top of the mountain. So you got to be very careful. It's a touch and go thing that you you're able to, that's what happened to the Bears. We won the world championship in 85 and they said it was going to be a dynasty. We haven't won since. The next year, a couple of our guys came back. William Perry was way overweight. McMahon was way overweight and they got hurt. And we, they just started thinking they deserved to win. Nobody deserves to win. You have to, you know, really work at it. And I work at it. That's my life. That's my love. That's my profession. Had you worked in cross country before you started at York? Uh, I had cross country for two years. I was at uh, Waterman, Illinois High School. It's about 10 miles south of DeKalb in a little 10 conference. And they didn't have cross country when I came there. And in the fall, we had fall baseball because they didn't have football. And I was coaching fall baseball and cross country. And we won the conference championship both years that I was there. And they had never had cross country before. And I was never a cross country runner myself. I was a sprinter in high school and at Northwestern University. But when I went into the service at Fort Leonard Wood, I became the head basketball and head track coach there. And I had two Olympic distance runners, Phil Coleman and Ted Wheeler, on my team. And I watched what they did. 
And that's how I got my start in distance running from a sprinter to learning and watching and reading and going to clinics and meeting famous coaches. And But I started with Ted Wheeler and Phil Coleman, watched what they did back in 1952 to 54. And it was in the Army? It was in the Army. So if you count my two years of coaching in the Army, Matt, and two years at Waterman and 48 years at York, I've been coaching now 52 years and still learning. I mean, you gotta you can teach an old dog new tricks if the old dog is smart. So I'm always going to clinics, always talking to famous coaches, famous runners, and always trying to stay on top of things. Do you think that um, success is a part of the the long green lines tradition? Oh yeah, I mean, and it's it affects the present. That the tradition that we have at York affects the present and kind of gives us a a winning edge because we're like the benchmark and everybody wants to be like York. We go to the state, our kids don't even notice us. We go to the state meet, we get out of the vans, there's 5,000 people there and we start to warm up. It's like watching a tennis match. We go by, all the eyes go here. We go over there, we come back here, everybody's watching. Then we go out in the middle of the field to do our, our stretching before we race and our 110 sprints and there's nobody out there when we start but me and my guys and by the time we get done there's 500 people out there with cameras guys are standing right behind me trying to hear what i'm saying to our guys and so we're like the benchmark and and everybody even though they don't like us because we win they respect our guys and so yeah that success breeds success if you don't let that disease of me come in where you start thinking you're entitled to win and it's fun to win and I say to our guys, there's nothing like holding up that state trophy. It's like 100% pure ecstasy because you did that with your own talent, your own enthusiasm, your own hard work. Nobody paid you. You know, you didn't have any pull because your father's this or that. You came out and you did that. And then never, that's a forever moment that you may never experience the rest of your life, but you'll always have that moment of we won the state title. So, yeah, success. How much of how much of uh, the enjoyment that the kids get do you think comes from the actual prize at the end or, or the actual journey itself? I think, uh, and I tell them that it's the journey because that that moment of success, that forever moment, just so fleeting, and then you got to start all over again the next year. The first day of practice starts all over again, but it's the journey, the camaraderie, the bonding, the workouts when it's windy, when it's cold. You know, Brady, and it. You want to be inside, it's 20 below wind chill, and you're out there running in 25 quarters and 95 degree temperature. And it's your friendship and the, the, just the togetherness that you have that you never get when you go to colleges. It's just not the same. So it's like a family, and everybody cares, and everybody's held responsible. And when we win, we win together. When we lose, we lose together. And there's something just magical about you have to be out there to see it. Brady was in, he knows, but it's just, you can't put your, it's an aura. I'm talking to college coaches about this all the time. There's just a certain aura that when you've been coaching as long as I have, you just know your guys think they can win. And if you don't think, Michael Jordan said winning is an attitude, and if you bring a good attitude to a game, you got a chance to win. Well, our guys have this aura about them. They get out of the vans and I say, walk tall. You know, stand tall, don't get in the fetal position. And so they have pride and and it just builds and builds and then the success builds and 
little guys in the fifth grade, they hear about it and then they want to be at York and then they finally get there and then their brothers have been there and it's a perpetual, it just keeps going as long as the coach, you know, makes it happen. And it's a happening. Our cross country team is a happening and we've got the tuxedo, you know, we've got all these little special things that make our guys very special and they're not going to get that later on. So enjoy your four years because it's wonderful. When did those traditions start? The state meet, all the state meet traditions. Well, uh, each year as, as we went along, I tried to do something different to make it special. We've, uh, we started the tuxedos about 30 years ago. And I've been coaching uh, cross country 44, so it was about 14 years into the program. I suddenly realized that a kid will do anything to wear a tuxedo. They love to wear tuxes. And they only give three trophies in a state meet. Gold, silver, bronze. That's it. So... I said, you know what, men, we're going to let the captains pick the, the tuxes out. We'll put them in the car. If we get a trophy, you get to wear the tuxes for the award ceremony and back to York and in the gym. And we started doing that. Well, gee, many crickets. We got 23 first. We got 10 seconds. We got three thirds. So that's 23, 33. We've gotten 36 trophies in 43 years. I mean, that's a pretty good percentage. And part of the mistake is... They do that because they'll just keep going in the race because they want to wear that tux. Three years ago, we got fourth, and we didn't get to wear our tuxes. I mean, it was like it was like death. Going back home, no tuxes on. We got beat. We were fourth. But actually, it was a great fourth place for that team. was sensational because we were really – I felt that was one of my best coaching jobs ever because halfway through the season, I thought we're not even going to qualify for the state. And then we get down there, and we beat – 25 teams that I think 15 of them had beaten us during the year. So it was a great effort, but our guys were heartbroken. No tuxedos. And I've got so many little gimmicks that we do that make a kid feel special and knows he's getting cared about. And it's just, it's just so unique and it's so happy for me. It makes me, keeps me young being around those kids to see them. Uh, we got I tell coaches tomorrow, I'm going to say this, that you've got the perfect program at your school when the kids on the team don't want to lose for fear of hurting your feelings, and you as a coach don't want to lose for fear of hurting their feelings. When it comes down to that, boy, you've got something special going. And then I have another thing that no people don't know. We try to pick somebody out every year and make them special, and if we win the state, we'll give them the state trophy, the championship trophy. Like it. My friend's wife died four years ago, Dan Casey. He was distraught. We gave him a trophy. Uh, Fido Papora, Vito ran for me in the 60s with Al Janis. Um, he couldn't hardly walk, but 15 years ago, he got a, had to have seven operations on his back. I said, Fido, we're going to give you the trophy. We gave him the trophy. Another year, there was a, a mother of one of the Oak Park uh, girl runners, and that girl runner was a friend of one of our girls died and so we gave the girl a medal. Charlie Kerr, my assistant, his father-in-law was dying a couple years ago. Uh, we won the conference championship. Uh, we gave him the medal. So that gives kids something special to run for. When you're running for something in a big race for more than yourself, you're running. This year, my best friend in life, we've been together for 60 years, is dying of Lou Gehrig's disease. No cure. So I said to him, burn you got to hang on, because if we win the state, we're giving you the trophy. So the guys ran the state meet this year. We won by 
86 to 170. We won by almost 90 points. Three days later, we go over to Bernie Brady's house. We give him the trophy. I mean, he was like, wow. He's dying, but he's got that trophy up on his mantle. So we have all these little special things that most people don't know about that make for success and make it more fun. You're actually doing something for somebody and helping some other person out. One year, one more quick example. We had a kid from IC that trained in our summer program for three years. He graduated, went to Bradley. He had a stroke his freshman year at Bradley. He was only 18 years old. He couldn't walk. I went to the hospital now. This is not a York guy, he's an IC guy. And I said in front of his mother, I said, now look it, if you'll walk, when we win that state title, we're gonna give you a gold medal. I'll be god dang, the day of the state meet, the kid gets out of a car, he's got a cane, and he comes limping over to our team meeting right out on the course when we're warming up. And there he was, he's walking, we won, we gave him the medal. So the kids in that race knew that they, you know, we had something special going. So we have all these little motivational things that make it a little different than just the average team. Because every kid, even, well, I, everybody wants a little recognition, wants a pat on the back. And Brady knows this. I yell at guys if they do something wrong. I compliment if they do something right. Some coaches never say anything. They just look at you. So a kid always knows where he stands. Plus. Each kid I treat as an individual, but the rules are for every guy. So if you're the best guy and you break the rules, you're gone. If you're the 160th guy, you break the rules, you're gone. So every guy on my team knows he's gonna get a fair shake. But yet you treat each kid different because there's some kids you can yell at, there's some kids you can't yell at. There's some kids that need to be complimented more, there's some kids that don't need it. So you have to know your athletes. You gotta be to practice every day before and after so you can handle things. And what are, what are some of the, the basic rules? I don't have a lot of basic rules. My basic rules are come to practice, be on time, no smoking, drinking, and drugs. That's basically it. Uh, hours, and I'm not out behind trees trying to see when they go to bed. I just say if you don't get your sleep, you're not gonna, you know, you're not gonna make it. So my big rules are no smoking, no drinking, no drugs, come to practice and be on time. That's training for life. Come to practice, be on time. You want to hire a guy in your business if you're the owner and a guy is absent three times a week, he's tardy five times a month, you fire the guy. So they're getting training for life even though it's just their cross-country team. And we're always trying to train guys for life. And I always, I'm talking about the eternal verities all the time. They never change no matter how much kids change, society changes, truth, honor, loyalty, character. They never change. And that's what York is all about, truth, honor, Loyalty, character. Our guys are—they've got character, and I—you know—if you got character, you got a chance to win. If you don't have character, no matter how good you are, you're not going to win. That's my feeling. Is there room in the program once you show up on time and once you uh, show up every day for anything but a positive attitude? That's true. It, uh, the whole—we uh, got just this—we have this great attitude. Our team is just has this. We're all out here together. We're all suffering. We're all working hard. We're freezing. We're hot. But it's all for this purpose of, you know, getting the big trophy, being with your teammates. Everybody's responsible for his actions. And so it's just a, it's a happening is what it really is every year for me and for them. And, and like I say, you know, kids change. 
But York never changes. They just keep winning. Different faces, same result. Different kids, same result. And that's true. It's because we got a program for everybody. You know, I we have guys that don't score a point, and they're out there. Well, only seven guys can run a state meet. You got 170, 60 guys on your team, but they're having fun because they're part of the winning. They're part of the whole mystique, and it's fun. You know, how can running be fun? But it's fun because we win. And uh, when you're with your teammates, it's just something special. Uh, we had this foreign exchange guy a few years, right about your time, Marius Bakken. He graduated, his, his year he came was 95, 96, which was right after you graduated. One year, that's all he was there. Uh, in the 1991 World Championships in Canada, he got eighth in the 5,000 meters. He's the first non-African, eighth in the world. Okay, every time he sends me a letter, you know how he signs it? Once a Duke, always a Duke. He's a foreigner, he's from Norway. He told me that he's been in two world championships and two Olympic games, and he'll be in Athens again, so that'll be, three. and he has told me several times the two greatest meets of his life were the state cross country meet his senior year and the state track meet where he got two golds and a silver. He said, I said, better than the Olympics and the World Championships? He said, yeah, because the Olympics World Championships is all about money, power, individual glory. He said, at York High School, it's the team. He said, there's nothing like the team. And that's what we got. Once a Duke, always a Duke. Brady will always be a Duke. Always. And you, you tend to use individual success stories to inspire the team. Absolutely. I've got all our famous guys. We have that notebook you saw I gave to Doug Rudolph. Tell you that all my famous guys are in there. We send a letter out. We have our alumni race every year on Labor Day weekend where 150, 200 alumni come back from California, New York, Florida just to be part of the team. Uh, we have 50 or 60 of them that come to the state meet every year and they surround when the guys come over to the table after warm-up and they're putting their spikes on and Okay, babe, we did it in 64. Hey, we did it in 79. Now it's your turn. So everybody's accountable. The old timers hold the new guys accountable. And the new guys on the team, they hold each other accountable. So that's good training for life also. It's kind of like a special bond of group of guys that it'll never, they're always members of the long green line. And they come back and if they want to shake in, shake a hand, checking in, checking out. That's a personal touch too. I, that's, every day I check each guy in myself. I give everybody a nickname, so that's a very personal thing between he and I. And then I also try every day at practice. And it's hard when you got 160 guys to call a guy's name out at least once during practice so he knows that I know that he's there working his butt off. These are just little things that you know some people don't realize that Kid wants to know if he's doing good. He wants you to know because he's trying to please you. And if you're ignoring him, and a kid knows, I try to give the same amount of tender, loving care to the 160s guy as the first guy. Some coaches only deal with their top guys, and then the little guys feel left out. I was a little guy in my athletic career. I was never a big star, but I was a guy that came on time and came to practice and worked my ass off and made it. And so now I have this empathy for the little guy. I want him to feel part of that team and give him that tender, loving. If he never scores a point. I had a guy, Jim Akita, five years ago, never scored a point, cross-country track, four years. Went to Elmer's College, 
He's the all-time great distance runner there. He holds the school record in the 5 and the 10 in that conference with North Central that's nationally renowned. He won the 5,000 his junior year in the conference meet, got third in the 10,000. Never scored a point at York. But he came to practice, he came on time, he trained hard. And then some of the guys that were good at York, they graduated and went to other things. And here's little Akita. And now he's still training. He's got a, a, a shoe company that's sponsoring him, and he's still training. And he's out of college two years now. So He was a little guy. Huh? He was a little tiny guy. Never scored a point, Jim Akita. Never ran a state meet in track. Never ran a state meet in, in cross country. And went on and he became a, you know, a famous runner at Elmer's College. He's one of their all-time great guys. So I'm, I'm saying a lot of different things that I don't make it sense, but success is part of the whole thing. But success comes from within, that hard work and that feeling of being wanted and caring and doing it for the team, doing it for the school, doing it for the town, doing it for these certain people that were you know, trying to help out. And it all comes together. And it's just grown. And as at my age, it's just I get more sentimental every year, I get more attached to these guys. And the seniors, when they graduate every year, it's very sentimental that last day of practice when they're leaving. You know, they'll never be back, never have the green on again. Very tender, tender moment, which is hard to explain unless you've been involved in, and feel. This year, uh, we started another thing now at, at major meets. We got so many trophies at York, and half of them are in the basement, as Brady knows. Some of our state meet trophies are down in the basement. So what we've done now, the last 10 years, is when we win the conference, we win the regional, we win the sectional, I let the guys on the team decide who's deserving of getting that trophy. And they always pick out some guy, a littler guy, that's not done a lot of famous things, but works and comes. and. And, and then that kid has to speak in front of the whole team. And then we started just about five years ago at the end of a major meet or a dual meet. We have a team meeting and I say, any seniors want to speak today or any juniors want to speak today or maybe any? And we get these kids talking and the things they say are so magnificent. And this year for the first time at the awards, you know how the fall awards, the football goes in one room, the track goes in another, I mean the cross country. Never had this happen before. There was about a thousand people there. It was because we had so many guys on the team. And about 12 guys wanted to speak in front of that crowd. You know, I, I usually speak. I introduce each guy, say something about him. So this guy's rump is saying, greatest four years of my life. One guy started broke down, started crying. All of how it meant to him to be on this team and to be with his teammates. and. So it's 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 more than just winning. It's more than just it's it's just something special. I can't put my hand right on it, but and you can't be a fraud to kids. Kids will look through you. They if you care for them, you got to care for them. I love all my guys, and uh, they know that. I have three things I tell them that you're the right guy. If you can say yes to these three, one, can I trust you? You can trust me. Two. Are you committed to excellence? You know I'm committed. And three, do you care about me because I care about you? So if kids, will, you can trust them and they're committed and they care about you, you can't lose. And that's what we got going. That most of us, because it's not X's and O's, man. Everybody can buy my book, can buy this book. Here's what you do on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. It's the relationship 
that you have with those kids. It's that aura that is developed around your team. But so some coaches just don't get that. They think they buy the book and here's what they do. But you got to care about those kids. There's got to be that relationship. And when you get that, there, I just read a book by Bill O'Reilly, who's pretty famous right now. He's got you know no spin zone. Who's taking care of you? And it's about making relationships with other people who will care about you in your life. If you go through life and step on people and you never develop relationships with people, it's a pretty lousy life. But see, your dad, myself, we got so many friends that care about us, they're always taking care of us. And that's what we got going on our team. See, we got this, we're taking care of those guys and they're taking care of me. And then they go out in life and they make relationships and have friends and care. Like, look at you two guys, you care about one another and you'll help each other and it's a great book, you ought to write. Uh, who's taking care of you? Bill O'Reilly. And what's, uh, how, does, how do all these lessons of success in cross country transcend to the corporate um, speaking engagements and things that you... Well, people, you know, uh, it's hard to get in corporations because I you know, I, I, I was an Olympic coach, but I'm not Lou Holtz, I'm not uh, Bill Gates. It's easy for me to get to coaching clinics because coaches always want to hear, but there's not very much uh, reward in that. I mean, monetary, we're talking about. Businesses have much money. I mean, I just, someone said, it shocked me the other day, Clinton's getting like two million or something a speech. I mean, give me a break. But everything that I teach and, and I talk about to coaches relates to the business world. On time, come to practice, relationships, the little guy is just as important as the big guy, everybody's part of the team. It all transfers to, and I make quite a few business speeches, but you know I don't have an agent, and it has to be by word of the mouth. But they like to hear that from a different viewpoint than just some guy in their business coming and talking and they, they tune him right out. And I love to talk to business people because everything in coaching holds true in business. It's just a fact of life. And even beyond business, the arts and sports and families, all these lessons, do they Abs transcend? Absolutely. I mean, kids come back and say, you know, I learned this at York High School and I, when I go and get stuff, I hang in there. Where did I learn that? on the York track. So yeah, everything we're teaching is good for life. Work hard, come to practice, be on time, you know, treat everybody. I, I always talk about the golden rule. You don't have to love everybody on our team, but doing others, you want them doing you. When guys do something, we get, guys got mean streaks and there'll be little people that I jump on them about the golden rule. So yeah, everything that they learn, I get all kinds of letters that makes me feel so good that, hey, I'm still doing things that you taught me 35 years ago that helped me in the business world. So they're getting values. Those eternal verities never change. And I'm always talking about character is what you really are. Your reputation is what people think you are. But your character is what you are. What you are when your mama's not there, your teacher's not there, your preacher's not there, and the police was not there. That's your true character. And we're looking at York for men of character. We don't need any. There's enough jerks in the classroom and in the halls. We don't want any out here. And Brady knows we don't tolerate any of that. You gotta be a good citizen.
Do you feel like you teach cross-country or that you teach young men? I teach young men about life, which leads to being a success in running because we got all these values and, you know, we got... You got to put out to stay on top. You got to work hard to be the best. And uh, it just perpetuates itself. Now, you know, you get a star like Donald Sage and now I got three guys on my team that are, every day they say, well, what did Donald run this workout? They want to be like Donald. And now I got these two sophomore twins that are unbelievable, and I got McNamara who's back next year. Now, some of the freshmen want to be like McNamara, you know. So it just kind of, and, and I say, you know, some of you older guys, you're, you're like a hero, a role model for these little kids. That's why you can't be smoking and drinking and screwing around, because you're a role model. I mean, kids idolize Donald Sage. Now they're starting to idolize McNamara because he's. They idolized when I had the Norwegian guy here by the end of the year. They didn't like him at the beginning because he was a foreigner and he was taking their spot. But when they found out how good he was, everybody loved him by the end. And so it's part of the whole picture. I don't know if I'm making sense to you or not. Yeah. <clears throat> Can I take a break? Sure. Yeah. That's been about 30 minutes. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Long Green Line podcast. Please subscribe, comment, and share these episodes with your friends. Every time you engage with our podcast, more listeners are able to find us. You can find us at www.longgreenlinemovie.com. I love what I'm doing. I love what I'm doing. I love what I'm doing.